Oh, yes. Probably shouldn't be this hey. close to the edge. Ah! Oh, you all right? Where are they taking him, man? How do we get back up there? Oh, you know what? Over here. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Over here, look. Should we climb up here? Yeah, come on. Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. There we go. There we go. Oh, look. Oh, hey, look. I'm slipping again. I'm, I, I, Jerry. Can't, I can't hang on. Jerry, I, uh, the, the view from up here is amazing. I can't get back up there. Yes, you can. Just climb. I don't know. I'm going to go this way. I don't think that's a I good idea. I think a, that's not a shortcut. No, I don't think there's there's something. No, no. I'm going to try I'm gonna try it. Jerry, I'm I think. No, here. Jerry. Hey, look at this dog. No! Spider-Man, Spider-Man, climbing up the gate again. <laughs> oh, Jerry! <sighs> Pull it together, where are they? <laughs> not out here, not in here, not in there. Oh, I feel better. <sighs> oh, this is scary. They're definitely not down here. Let's get out of here as quick as possible. Hey, what was that? Guys, I see him! I see him! I'm coming, guys. Just stay right there. Oh, this is comfy. Oh, there. I hear him. Guys! Guys, I'm back! I'm back! So good to see you again. Hey, weren't there two of you guys? Oh, yeah, Jerry's dead. Second. Yeah, there we go. Rookie mistake. How's everybody doing? Yeah. Oh, that poorly, huh? Like, what's going on? I'm gonna try. We're gonna try that again because that was so bad. How's everybody doing? <laughs> See, I knew you had it in you. We just got to do that the first time next time. Hey, well, I'm really glad you're here. Uh, my name is Daniel, and uh, this is week two of Grapes. If you didn't get to join us last week, um, John gave an incredible message, and I'm going to recap some of that for you. Um, he talked about um, this idea of marbles versus grapes, and now, you know, the classic debate of marbles versus grapes. How many of you guys have heard that one before? Ah, uh, that's what I thought, yeah. So this idea that our society wants us, and we would like to convince ourselves that we're marbles, Right? Now, what happens when a marble is with the marbles? It remains a marble, doesn't it? The answer is yes. And if a marble rolls away, does it ever stop being a marble? No. It's a marble for no matter how long it's away from the rest of the marbles. You see, and we want to live that way. We want to be able to just like spread our wings and to not necessarily have relationships when it's when it's hard to have relationships, right? We wanna be able to just be who we are, where we're at, no matter if we're connected or not, because it's easier that way, right? It supports our desire for independence and autonomy. It's, it's much more efficient when, when we operate that way. But guess what? We're not marbles, we're actually grapes. Now what happens if a grape were to roll to the same place that the marble does in like a week? Would it still be a grape? No, it would start to decompose. It would start to turn into something else. It would cease to be what it was created to be because grapes need to be together. And we want to be marbles, but in fact, we're grapes. And the truth is, we were created for community. Just like grapes, we were created to be together to get our nutrients from the vine. 
And when we venture off, when we declare our independence, when we separate ourselves from that, we're not being who we were created to be. And that causes some problems. Some developments in, that, in, the, in our hearts start to go awry, right? Because we're not connected to who we were created to be. In fact, our faith requires community to flourish. In order to just do more than, more than just survive, in order to flourish, in order to thrive, we need community. But our culture tells us that we're marbles. And so we try really, really hard to be marbles. But in fact, we're grapes. And so today, I wanna talk to you guys about priorities. And now I know I look like a guy that has his priorities together. And that would be mostly true. No, nothing? No, you guys don't? You guys, I don't look like a guy who has his priorities straight. I mean, look at me. Like, it's, it's okay. I, I know that you guys are thinking it. I feel it. Um, and so when I was in college, particularly, I didn't have any priorities straight. Any uh, high schoolers going into college? Yeah? You guys will learn a lot from this portion, okay? So when I was in college, um, Netflix streaming was just becoming a thing. Okay, so like the app that you have where you can just spend scrolling for five hours and never actually watch anything was not around. They used to just send you a disc, like one disc at a time in the mail, and you watched it, and then you sent it back. But when I was in college, it was starting to come around and be a thing, and so they were doing this like, hey, you could give your email and get two free weeks of Netflix. And so I was thinking, you know what? We're in college. All we have is time to do nothing except for watch TV, right? And so clearly my priorities are in the right spot at 19 years old. And so I um, realized that we had five friends and I was like, hey, we got 10 weeks of Netflix here for free. If just whenever you're done, I'll use my email. And then whenever I'm done, you use your email. And and so we got 10 weeks. And now um, there was a glorious time on Netflix when the 90s animated X-Men cartoon was on there. And now there was like 30 episodes in a season. Surprise, surprise, guys, I'm a nerd, okay? Um, You couldn't tell that by looking at me. You know, I don't know what to say to you. But um, they had five seasons of like 30 episodes in a season. So I had 10 weeks to watch 150 episodes of X-Men. Now, concurrently, I I guess during that time, like, you take classes and stuff in college. And so um, I was in this class called EDL 204. At the time, I was an education major, and um, it was called Educational Leadership. And we got about three to five articles a day, right? So I had a choice to make. Was I going to spend the next 10 weeks watching 150 episodes of X-Men Or was I going to spend the next 10 weeks reading anywhere from 150 to 250 articles? I think you guys know what I chose. Naturally, X-Men, right? Because, and I, yeah, someone gets it. (laughs) And that was, that was like so not like, you did not care about X-Men. You're just like, oh, okay, cool. X-Men, Daniel. Make me feel real good about myself. All right, so I, let's fast forward here. All right, we're at the end of the 10 weeks. I'm readjusting to life outdoors. I'm socializing again. I'm spending time with people. It's a bit of a culture shock. And I'm walking to class. And a classmate walks up and says, hey, do you study? I was like, no, I'm gonna study tomorrow. And she said, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, the exam's on Wednesday. So why would I study the weekend before? 
<laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I'll study the day before. She goes, Daniel, the exam's today. Yeah, yeah. And I've never regretted a decision more <laughs> um, than when I realized that the exam was on Monday instead of Wednesday, and I had spent the last 10 weeks not preparing for the exam, but watching cartoons that I had already seen. And so I'm walking like, you know, I've never prayed harder up to that point in my life, and I'm sweating bullets, and I get into class thinking, maybe it'll be multiple choice. Maybe there's a little bit of saving grace. And I get in there, nope, long answer. Um, Over the 150 to 250 articles that I just neglected to read. So I'm doing terribly, and I see a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. That's how I felt, you know, inside. <laughs> and so I see a little bit, thanks, Deanna. Um, I see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. There's the, the last question on the exam says, hey, if there's anything that you studied that isn't on the test, write it down here for extra credit. And I thought, you know, if I were a professor, I would appreciate honesty and I would appreciate a good joke. And so I thought maybe I just tell her that I didn't study and see if she takes pity on me, okay? Because I'm not above pity. You can't look like this and be above pity. And so that's not supposed to be that funny to you guys. That's that's the spot where I need some encouragement, guys. Like, no, Daniel, you look great. Lie to me, I don't care. Um, And so I write, this is what I write. I say, for whatever reason, probably out of delusion, I thought this exam was on Wednesday. So needless to say, I didn't study at all. Any points I do receive are proof of the power of prayer and that there is, in fact, a God. And I thought, you know, this is missing one spot, one thing, like just the cherry on top. And I knew she was a baseball fan, and I knew she was from Cincinnati, so I thought, this will get her. Go Reds. That's how I decided to cap this off, the piece de resistance, if you will. And I turned it in, and I'm proud to stand before you to say that I got zero extra credit points and, in fact, received a 45% on that exam. Yeah, yeah, you guys are okay. Don't be okay with that. Ascribe to more is what I'm trying to say. Now, I spent 10 weeks prioritizing the wrong thing. It was the easy thing to prioritize because X-Men rules and that cartoon is so rad, but it wasn't, it didn't further me in my life in the slightest. And so I think what I did in that moment is what we do in our lives all the time. How often do we, you know, miss out on the life that God has for us because our priorities are in the wrong spot? I wonder how often we prioritize the easy option Instead of relationships, because relationships are hard. Relationships are really hard. And I believe that we don't prioritize community. We experience community in a lot of different areas, in a lot of different ways, a lot of different experiences, right? Like if you go to a concert, you're experiencing community. And that kind of community is nice because you don't have to talk to anybody, right? If you go play sports with somebody, you're just playing sports, and that's nice, Right, you, you go to work and you have community with your team at work. Maybe the company is smaller, so you have community there, your neighborhoods. We have community, but a lot of times with the community that we have, we put our obligations before it, right? And those are, aren't wrong, but we say, you know what, I've got work to do, or I've got kids to feed, or I've got bills to pay. And it's like, if I don't take care of blank, it won't get done. How many of us have said that? Well, if I don't do it, it's not gonna get done, so I need to do that. And then relationships are just kind of like, I'll get to it when I get to it. 
When things die down, I'll get to it. And what the church offers in terms of community is a lot different, but I have said this a lot lately and I felt really convicted. So I'm gonna be honest with you guys and tell you I decided to change it. So I play in a uh, men's summer league basketball. Um, don't, did someone laugh out there? Don't laugh at that. Come on. Um, and so I, I play in the summer league and I told them, I said, you know what, guys, after a game, we got all together and I told them, I said, hey, um, I feel like this group is great. I love our team. We played together for a couple years. And um, I feel like we're not maximizing our potential. I feel like we need to do something more. We're not prioritizing this team enough. And so what I want to do is I want to get together after every game. And I want to talk about how basketball makes us feel. And so, guys, this isn't funny. This is real, okay? And so I, I told him, I said, hey, you know, like, there are times where I struggle. I struggle to get out of bed sometimes. I, I struggle with depression. I struggle with anxiety. And it's, I'm an anxious person, right? But on the court, I don't feel that. And playing with you guys really helps me. And it helps me not only in my, you know, in my life get out there and, and be active and go do things that I need to do, but it helps me in my relationship with my wife and with my friends and with my family. And they looked at me how, how a lot of you guys are looking at me, confused, weirded out maybe, and here's the thing about that story, is like, that didn't happen, right? Because that would be weird. If we, I got together with a team of guys to play basketball and said, hey, before we play basketball, we have to talk about how basketball makes us feel. No one would play basketball. I'm pretty sure basketball would cease to exist. And so it's hard to prioritize a type of community that funnels us this way. And you see what the church offers in the context of community that the church offers can come across like that, right? Small groups. Small groups seem different. So when you come to church and you hear someone say, hey, get involved in a small group, participate in a small group, you're like, oh, I don't want to go and talk about how I feel. Because legitimately, what we do in the context of church doesn't happen anywhere else. I don't believe that a lot of us are having the conversations about how we feel with our, with our fathers, with our mothers, Right? A lot of men struggle with this. We don't have it with our spouses, with our significant others. We don't have it, a lot of times I would go as far as to say, we don't have that, those kind of conversations about how we feel and what we're struggling with and what, what's bothering us and what's making us anxious. We don't have those conversations with ourselves. So when you come to church and you hear, hey, get involved in a small group, we're gonna do this. That's like, oh, that's super weird, dude. I don't wanna do that. And so we don't prioritize that. But there's a lot of other ways, like what we've been talking about, what I've just been saying, what we do in the context of a small group is how the church funnels community, right? What we do isn't done anywhere else. You wouldn't go to your basketball team or, or the concert and be like, hey, how's this concert making you feel, man? No. Hey, I'm really struggling with this, you know, and this concert's really putting a spotlight on that. No, be like, come on, dude, I'm trying to watch the show. What we do in the context of a small group isn't done in a lot of other places. And so we have a hard time prioritizing it because we don't get the point of it. Like, you know what, I, I, I'll, I'll do that later. It's hard, it's hard work. It's hard work to acknowledge that. It's hard work, it points a spotlight in areas that we don't want to acknowledge, we don't want to admit, and so it's hard, so we resist it. We prioritize other things. Another way we don't prioritize small groups is our calendar. Like I said, if I don't do it, it doesn't get done. If I don't do it, it doesn't get done. So we have to do those things and then relationships are like, ah, I'll get to it. 
We join a group and it's like, man, I, I just haven't seen my wife this week. I haven't seen my husband this week. Work was tough. And I'm not saying those are bad things. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, not justify your feelings. Those are real feelings. But we don't prioritize them because of it. The other reason we don't prioritize small groups, and, and I think this is an epidemic in our society, is we're afraid to talk about our faith. Because what if someone disagrees with us? What if someone thinks differently? What if we disagree with someone else and we can't view them the same way, right? What if we're struggling with doubt? And it's really hard to admit it because that makes us feel like we're a a crappy Christian. And I think historically the church has done a poor job of allowing people to struggle with doubt and still be in a group connected to community and growing and learning. And the thing is, if all of those are where you're at or any of those are where you're at, a group is the best place for us to be. But it's hard. It's uncomfortable. It's weird. It's not something that we're used to experiencing, so we don't prioritize it. And finally, we feel like we're too young in our faith. We feel like, you know what, I need to have a certain level to be a part of a group. I need to have experienced God in a certain way to be a part of a group. But the, the truth is, you don't need to have experienced God to be in a group. You need to go to a group to experience God. This is what we were created for. We were created to be in community. But it's difficult, and it's confusing at times, and it's gonna challenge you, and it's gonna push you, and it's gonna be hard, but it's better. And so we pick a litany of things, so many other reasons. And we're like, you know what? I just, I can't prioritize that. I can't prioritize small groups. But we believe when you prioritize groups, it's worth it. When you make groups a part of your life, it's worth it. If you read the Bible, you learn, right? One thing that we learn from reading the Bible is the relationship that we get to enjoy with God, a relationship filled with joy, and love, and patience, and forgiveness, and mercy, and so many other amazing, wonderful things. All of those things that we get to experience is what we are called to go out and build with other people. The relationship that we enjoy with God is what we are called to go out and build with others. And now I use the word build very specifically. Because when we build something, I wouldn't know from experience. Look at me, I've avoided manual labor my whole life. But when we build something, it's... It takes effort, it takes energy, it takes focus, it takes prioritization. In order to build the kind of relationship that we get to enjoy with God, with others, we need to focus on it, we need to prioritize it, we need to make it a part of our life. And after time and energy and investment and prioritization spent, you get to enjoy it. And we can't do that if we don't prioritize groups. If we don't prioritize community in the church, we miss out on how God created us to be. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of missing out on what God created me for. I'm tired of thinking that I'm just surviving, just treading water. I wanna start making what's important to God and what God created me to do a priority in my life so that my life can look more like God intended it to look. Growth happens when we prioritize groups. Everybody say this with me. Growth happens when we prioritize groups. One more time, a little louder. 
Growth happens when we prioritize groups. All right, now like Mario. All right, ready? Everybody say, growth happens when we prioritize the groups. Whoopa! Two people did that. I want to hear everybody do it, all right? One, two, three. Growth happens when we prioritize the groups. Whoopa! All right. I'm so sorry, guys. Any new people here, like, I'm never coming back. In fact, we as a church believe in this so much that the only group that we give an option to is adults. Our kids, when they come to church, when our kids go to their services, they go to a large group right now, they go to a large group, and then they experience a small group. And then our our middle schoolers, they go to a large group, and then they experience a small group. Then our high schoolers, where am I at, high schoolers? Yeah, two of you. Um, They go to their experience, and then they go to a small group. Why? Because growth happens when we prioritize groups. And we want everybody to grow. We want everybody to step into the life that God has for them. And we believe when you prioritize a small group, you're gonna grow, you're gonna change, you're gonna be challenged. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And so I'm gonna look at John chapter 15, verses one through eight today. If you have your phone and wanna pull it up in the Bible, you should. If, you, uh, if not, it's up here on the screen. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. John 15, one through eight. Now to fully understand what Jesus is saying here, we have to understand the uh, illustration that he picked out for us, right? So this grapevine, do I have any gardeners in here? Anyone like to garden? I can't see anybody. No, no one likes to garden? Yeah, one couple people in the back, the foxes. Yeah, I see you. Um, and so, yeah, Cody, cool. Um, so here's the thing about a grapevine is they take a lot of work and no one just casually grows a grapevine. You see, so I went and I did some research about how to grow a grapevine and I read the Farmer's Almanac and I got a lot of really interesting information. You see, grapevines have to be bought, should be bought in the spring and they should be planted in the spring. Okay, and now they need to be in a situation where they have a trellis or like an arbor so that they can grow up, okay? And so I know this seems like, what are you talking about, right? Like, why are you telling me all this? There's a point, I promise. And so they can grow up, and so as they grow up, you know, up the trellis, up the, up the arbor, you know, it, it helps prevent diseases, okay? And then they have to be soaked in water two to three hours prior to being planted, Okay, so you soak it, you need to make sure that there's a decent amount of sunlight, but a little bit of shade, okay? And the soil needs to be, you need to uh, 
put it down about a foot deep with about four inches of topsoil. I know, this is a lot of information. And in fact, you need to prune it. For the first two years that you own this grapevine, that you're tending to this grapevine, you shouldn't let it bear any fruit. You should prune it, you should clean it regularly, okay? Because if you don't prune it, if you don't clean it, it will only bear fruit once, okay? So for two years, think about that. For two years, you have this thing, just wanting some grapes. And you can't have the grapes for two years. We order Jimmy John's to get impatient when it's not here in five minutes, right? I ordered a package on Amazon and it was like two days. I was like, where is it already? Come on. And for two years, if you want a grapevine, you have to clean it without seeing any of the fruit. We don't often prioritize things where we don't experience the goodness right away. But you see, Jesus was doing something very specific. He was saying, you know what? There are circumstances for your growth and there are reasons that you need to step into who you were. And I'm telling you who they are in this passage using this illustration. So let's look back at it. It says, I'm the true vine. He's the gardener. Cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. Saying, hey, you wanna be more fruitful? Listen to this. You already are clean because of the, of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Oh, by the way, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Stay with me, have a relationship with me. Remain in me, grow with me. And this is the circumstance for you to grow into who you were. And you can't do this by yourself. You can't do it by yourself. The fruit that you want, the life that I have for you won't happen by yourself. You must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Guys, growing a great and tending a grapevine is hard work. But what we learn from Jesus' metaphor, from Jesus' illustration, is that when you put in the work, when you remain in the vine, you step into who God created you to be. So what does it mean to remain in the vine? We believe it looks like connection with God and connection with others. You see, grapes need a certain set of circumstances in order to thrive, in order to survive, and these circumstances for us, we are grapes, not marbles, remember? The circumstances for us is connection with God and connection with others. And if you do that, if you prioritize it, if you make it a part of your life, you grow. Because in fact, guys, grapes were meant to grow together. We were created for community. We were created to grow together. Literal grapes on the vine. A gardener will go, and if a grape is struggling, he cuts it off. Because the nutrients or the lack of nutrients that that one grape's get one grape is getting will affect the rest of the grapes because we were created to grow together. We were created to grow together, but you see, once the vine has what it needs, it's extremely, extremely rare that the grapes don't grow beautifully and wonderfully. It takes time, it takes energy, it takes effort, but once we have what we need, it's rare that we don't grow beautifully and wonderfully. You know what that tells me about, you know what Jesus was saying? You can't be engaged without being impacted. You can't be connected with God and truly engaged and connected with people in the context of a small group and not be impacted. But it's not gonna happen without work. 
It's not gonna happen without effort. It's not gonna happen without time and energy and prioritization. Guys, growth happens when we prioritize groups. Everybody say this with me. Growth happens when we prioritize groups. It doesn't come easy. It was never supposed to come easy. N.T. Wright says, says this, he says, the picture of the vine isn't just a clever illustration from gardening. It's about who Jesus and his people really are and what is going to happen to them as a result. So let's look at John 15, six through eight. It says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Your life support is taken away. You will wither up. You will cease to be what I created you to be. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Think about this. The gardener, the person who's working on the vines in a vineyard, he he puts in time, he puts in effort, he puts in energy. It's hot. It's hard. For two years, he's cutting, he's pruning. But the end result of that hard work every time is what? Fruit. The end result of our hard work of our prioritization, when we're connected with God and we're connected with others, when we prioritize group, fruit is inevitable. It's the result. I'm not gonna tell you that it's gonna be easy. It's gonna push you. It's gonna challenge you. You might have to be flexible on some of the things that you thought you would never let go of. But if you prioritize it, it will change your life. The fruit is inevitable because God, God created us to experience this. I have been lucky to lead several different small groups at our church. Um, before I was on staff, I led a kids group. I have led a, a boom group. I, I currently lead, a, a, I have led a young adult group that transitioned into a young marrieds group that I currently lead. And one of my favorite interactions um, in all of those times is the relationship that I formed with my friend Joe here. Um, here is my wife and I uh, at Sarah and Joe's wedding, and I'm the only one not looking at the camera. Um, classic Dan, right? Um, found it that time. Um, and so Joe came to our group about four years ago, roughly, and um, we split up guys and girls because, you know, uh, we did, and, you know, I found that women only can listen to me for a short amount of time. Um, don't laugh, it's so true. Some of you guys are already tuning out, I think. Um, and so we, we split up guys and girls, and Joe, I, I never forced anybody to talk, I never made anybody talk. I would ask them two questions. I'd say, hey, tell me how your week was and how can I pray for you? And Joe, the first time I met him, he said, he's like, look, I don't know where I stand on all of this. I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, I'm here mainly because Sarah uh, wants to be here, and this is important to her. And I was kind of blown away I was blown away by his honesty because I have a hard time opening up to people that I don't really know. And he was in a room with like six other guys and he shared that. Here's Joe and I's first dance at his wedding. And um, shortly after that, um, Joe started serving. He and his wife started serving with fourth and fifth graders back in the back. And for four years, the last four years, they've been in our group. Joe's worked, Joe has served every other week for four years. That's a long time. He volunteered to spend more time with me, guys. I know, that's saying a lot. And he put in the effort, he put in the energy, and last year, Joe got baptized. And 
I have to say, I'm not wearing the same shirt. It looks like it. I noticed that this morning, and it bugged me, so I have to acknowledge it just so it's out there, because I was like, someone's gonna notice, and they're gonna think that I only have one shirt. It's a different shirt. When I bought this, I forgot about that one. Um, I'm so sorry. You see, but Joe put in the work, and at any point over the last four years, he could have said, no thanks, I'm done. This is confusing, this is hard, this is a lot of effort. I don't get it. But Joe kept working. He prioritized relationships. He allowed me to challenge him and to say, you know what, man, I think, I know this is hard for you, but I think you need to do it anyway. And Joe's life has changed forever. Joe experienced a life-changing transformation all because he prioritized groups. He prioritized community within the context of a small group. Growth happened because he was connected with God and he was connected with people who were encouraging them and loving him and challenging him and pushing him to grow and it wasn't easy. I'm sure it would have been much nicer for Joe to quit. But he didn't. And now his life has changed forever. And you know, he's actually back there right now serving our kids and leading our kids and showing them that community matters. Guys, when we prioritize groups, growth happens. It's inevitable. It's the way God created us. And now it doesn't always have to be this complicated thing, right? I think sometimes us adults, we overcomplicate things. And I see two of my friends in this second row here, Tony and Adeline. They're normally hanging out in the back with me. And what they have is really, really cool. You see, they met at kids camp, didn't you guys? Yeah, they're sitting in the front row. And you guys are like best friends now, aren't you? Yeah, you guys met in your small group, didn't you? And so community doesn't have to be this thing that's like always a lot of hard work, right? It could be as simple as, I need a friend. (laughs) It's hard to make friends when you're adults, right? We all know that. And so I wanna learn from Adeline and Tony. You see, because they come in here and they get to sit and they get to watch worship and they get to experience that together and then a lot of times they go back and they experience a small group together and the connection and you guys are inseparable, aren't you? Yeah, you love each other so much, don't you? We want our kids to understand that When you prioritize friendships, when you prioritize community in the context of a small group, you grow, you learn, you experience life together, you experience joy, you can help each other when we're sad, we can help each other when we're happy, we can overcome obstacles. And this wouldn't have happened if they hadn't met in a small group. When you prioritize groups, growth happens. When you prioritize Groups, growth happens. In our group uh, life, we have a family that's very, very important to us, the Sawyers. Uh, they're sitting right back there, and their daughter's here, and Josh is running around doing the camera, and their family is very involved. And um, they've been involved in it with a group for a long time, my parents' group, right? And, um, you know, they have recently experienced uh, a, a bit of adversity, and they were kind enough to share their story. And so check out uh, the Sawyers' story here. We've probably been in three or four small groups in our whole life. Most of them have been as, well, yeah, as married couple. Well, we were in that married couple group. Yeah, before we got married. (laughs) At our church. (laughs) Yeah. It was sometimes weird, some of the conversations that we could get into. 
when we started going to 514, we decided to start a, or get in a small group because we wasn't connected. Once we started in a small group, we felt more connected just because like then when you go into church on Sunday, you'll start to see people, oh yeah, we're in the same small group. Plus I think when you're in a small group and you know more people, you feel like it's more of your church. Like it's more of your community, this is my church, um, these are my people, you know? You got into coffee and- Volunteering. And I was doing camera for a while and so it got us more um, comfortable to be involved and doing stuff in the church because we started building relationships with people. The last few years we did get disconnected. Um, my mom and dad got sick and I had to start taking my dad and um, driving back and forth with him to see my mom and, and, and then recently my dad passed so I haven't been able to really do small group when we weren't going to small group on a regular basis, I really started to feel disconnected. And sometimes I would even feel, oh gosh, those people don't even miss me. They haven't called. Maybe we just shouldn't go. Maybe life is just so busy. We should, this just isn't a season we should go. So it's the less I went, the more I thought, well, maybe we'll just not do this. Well, then I was miserable. It was just hard because you felt like you were just surviving every single day and you lacked the hugs and love from other people. The tension in our family kind of changed. I think um, Karen and I would not be more patient with each other. Um, I was gone a lot. I just think um, we just got disconnected with our group plus with uh, as a family. But then when um, Robert's dad passed. Our small group was awesome. They got together and put off this wonderful meal for our family. And it just really made me remember that they were there. It was me who left. It was me who didn't stay connected. It wasn't them. That again is that common bond, you know, where you're spending time with each other and you're being vulnerable and you're sharing and you're doing life together. Um, the world's rough and if you don't have loving people that accept you, like you said, for who you are and grow with you, life's really tough. It will get you. I think um, <laughs> if we wasn't involved in a small groups over the years, that again, I, I don't think we would probably still be in church. When we lost Robert's dad and having this small group band together and provide a meal for all of our family and friends, it made us realize we weren't really alone. And when we were not consistent in going to small group the last year and a half, it was a very lonely time. I didn't make small group a priority and it just became easier to not go. Um, and it was a very lonely, lonely time. When you're not in a community, you really do miss out on sharing your life with somebody else or them sharing it with you. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine not being a part of a church and having a group of people um, to call you know, family and friends when you need them.
Robert, Karen, thank you for sharing. What, one thing that she said that stuck out to me is like, we were just surviving. We're not supposed to just survive. God wants us to enjoy our life. He wants to, us to flourish. He wants us to thrive. And when you prioritize groups, that happens. When you make groups a part of your life, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard, you're gonna be challenged. But you'll grow, because we were meant to grow together. And I, I, I wanna talk to the people who are like, Daniel, you work here at the church, right? You're on staff, so like, you get it. Like, yeah, I get it. It's easy, it's easy to, to think that I, you know, understand it and have had the time to fall in love with it, but I haven't always been that way. It's really hard for me to embrace community. Relationships are hard. They're not very efficient. One thing that I've learned through relationships is efficiency is not one of God's concerns. And in fact, I was so withdrawn, very depressed, very anxious, and I was ready to move across the country when I was in college and just not really talk to anybody that I knew. And I had friends who ended up becoming some of my best friends. They invited me to a small group that they had and, and to hang out with them and not just go to a group, but just to hang out with them for two and a half years. They invited me weekly. And for two and a half years, I was like, no thanks. And they kept doing it. And they kept doing it. And then circumstances led to this, this place where I was living with them and I experienced it. And that year changed my life. I wouldn't be here without that year, without having to learn what it meant to prioritize groups, what it meant to prioritize community in my life. It changed my life. And so if you're on the fence, if you're like, you know what, I don't wanna be around people. It's a lot easier by myself. I wanna challenge you. Say, yeah, it's gonna be hard and it's gonna be really uncomfortable, but it's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth it. We are going to um, make groups so easy for you. John is gonna come up here in just a minute and he's gonna talk about how to get involved, ways to get involved, different ways of connection. But I wanna challenge everybody in this room to prioritize small groups. It's not gonna be comfortable. It's not gonna be filled with X-Men cartoons, unfortunately, maybe, depending on your group. But it will be better and you will grow and you will start to live the life that God created you to live. And I can't think of anything better than that. Will you pray with me? God, we love you. Thank you so much for this message. Thank you so much that you created us to live with one another. God, I pray that this room would prioritize small groups, that we would prioritize our community, that we would take that step that we're afraid to take for whatever reason, God, and then that we would go out and share our relationship that we build with other people so that they can go and do the same thing. God, that we would come, become a community of people that are challenging each other, that are pushing each other, that are connecting with you and connecting with others and living out the life that you've created for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thanks, guys. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks, man. It's a, it's a really powerful message. You know, to be honest with you, the most powerful truth that, that Daniel just talked about was this idea that when you prioritize it, when you put the work in, uh, the fruit is inevitable. It will happen. Um, you know, there's a lot of work on the front end. And for some people, you know, as much as we're talking about how it is work, it does take commitment. You know, some people get in a small group and it immediately changes their life forever. 
not always a grind. It's not always, you know, it might just be that very thing that you're missing in your life. And so you step into it and, and immediately you, you realize that this is what I've been missing and you see the fruit right away. Um, but, but sometimes it is hard work. Sometimes it does take us a minute to get to know the people around us and to really become comfortable with them and then to grow together. But when you put the work in, the fruit is inevitable. The growth is inevitable. It will happen. Um, and so we want to challenge you guys to, to, to do that, to take that step. Uh, we have over 400 adults in small groups, and everybody in all of our other age groups of ministry are forced to be in small groups. And so that's a lot of people that we have in group life in this church. And, and so you're not stepping into like a new frontier. You're stepping into something that a lot of people are already doing, uh, that a lot of people have already seen fruit and growth from. And so that, that, that's an exciting thing. Uh, one thing that we want to share, because we're changing starting in October, uh, the way that we do groups. Um, and we're just kind of like tweaking it a little bit. So it doesn't affect you if you're in a group right now, except for the schedule. But we want everybody who we're challenging to be in a group to understand exactly what it is that is being asked of you. Sometimes you tell people to join a group and it feels like it's going to be forever and you don't really know what you're getting into and that's intimidating. So we want to, to kind of help people understand what it is. And so we're going to put a calendar up here on the screen. And what we had done in the past was we had kind of told groups that you can meet whenever you want and you can do whatever you want. You can kind of go over whatever curriculum you, you want, and we would make recommendations. And we thought that that would give group leaders freedom, but, but it also puts a lot of pressure on group leaders to have to figure out what curriculum to go through, how to find it, how to get it to their group, how to do all this stuff. And so, so we're going to change that a little bit. We're all, as a church, in solidarity in our small groups, going to meet on the same weeks and do, uh, you know, mostly the same type of curriculum. And so hopefully it kind of buttons up what these group times look like. It takes some pressure off leaders, and it allows it to be a little bit more relaxed and get, lets you get to know each other better um, and to not have to worry about that part of it so much. And so this is what it looks like throughout a calendar year to meet with your group. The, uh, the areas that are highlighted in pink, these are the weeks that you're going to meet. And so if you count them, there's 16 weeks. So we're asking 16 weeks of everybody. So you meet twice every other week for two months, and then you're off in the third month. And then you meet twice every other week for two months, and then you're off in the third month. And then you do that the whole year. And so then you can kind of create a rhythm. You can think about um, how to schedule, you know, child care, stuff like that around this type of schedule. But um, we think that this is going to lead to more consistency. This will help us at least understand what we're getting into when we, when we say that we want to be in a group. And so this is what it's going to look like. And, and we're very, very excited about this. We think this solves a lot of the problems that, that some groups have seen just in terms of what they're doing and consistency. And so this is the year for groups. If you're in a small group, this is what your group life will look like. Um, if you want to be in a small group and you haven't signed up yet, there is a card underneath your seat. It's called a Connect card. And you can mark that you're interested in a group. And if you mark that and you drop it off to somebody in the hallway, there, there's a bin right outside these doors, or you can take it to the info table. If you do that, our group's director, Emma, will get back to you within 24 hours. And we'll start to plug you into a group and talk about what that looks like. And so fill that out. Take this step. Um, it's a really, really important part of our faith. And without it, it's difficult to go to where God has planned for us to go. And so we'll do that. Uh, thank you guys for being here, and we will see you guys next week. Radio.